0: Welcome back to Wolf Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy heart at the center of Enterprise IT. This week, because it turns out COVID is not over, uh, there are only two of us, it's just Lilac and me. Uh, Mike, unfortunately, got caught out by the dread COVID, as did I last week, uh, and Zach is otherwise busy and sends his apologies. So anyway, we will try to keep things moving for you. So hey, Lilac. Remember, Howie. yeah, remember Polycom. Remember when you and I used to sit in actual meeting rooms, and there would be that weird three-legged spider thing in the middle of the table.
1: Yeah, it was strange. I recall feeling like it could have been some sort of innovative boomerang or frisbee device.
0: Yeah, those were really cool. Um, you know, four values of cool that. Okay. No, it's actually cool.
1: They were actually a premium, though. Like, if you got a room with a Polycom versus oh, you room were in like a good room a terrible phone, you were in a good room. The Polycom room was like the Ritz-Carlton of conference rooms. Oh, definitely. Actually, that's not true. Do you remember that Cisco emerging like immersive experience thing? That was the Ritz-Carlton oh, those of were amazing. Rooms. They were unhinged.
0: I'm trying to remember. What was that thing called? It's, it's I don't now, know. It's now part of the Unified Computing, which is an umbrella oh. that covers everything. But at the time, it had a specific name. And Lilac and I worked for a company that was one of the launch partners and had to have a special room and the room had to be painted in a special color. And basically what it worked out is you had half a table and then a gigantic massive screen, which was actually three screens, because back in the day we couldn't have single screens that were that big. But the other half of the table would appear on, on the screen and it would look like you had the whole table and everyone was sitting around a single circular table
1: there was training involved there was oh like, yeah we had to be trained the before eye contact contact thing. thing like that whole eye contact thing that zoom has broken for us in our lives right now we had training of where to look in order to create the illusion of eye contact with the people of it was a thing oh, anyway it wasn't Polycom just that. Was there were like special contact.
0: clothes I, 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 yes I, we men for once were receiving most of the wardrobe advice we were specifically told not to wear pinstripe suits uh, or any checked shirts that were too small because they would do moiré effects with the webcams that were not ideal.
1: It was really interesting how much we cared about the illusion of being together when what we've learned through, low these many pandemics is that the problem you're solving for is not eye contact in a Zoom, which is awkward and weird, but we've overcome it. The problem you're actually solving for is is everything around the meeting.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Anyway... So,
1: so polycom got bought
0: well polycom is actually in, in the meantime since i lost track of them they merged with plantronics who did the, the headsets the headsets that you would use at your desk and they were trading as poly
1: okay that's a choice
0: that's it's a choice <laughs> um and hp inc has bought them this is not the hpe that has the servers and all of the enterprisey stuff is the other bit that has the the ink the printers and that was some inspired naming there the personal computers and they bought Polly to beef up their home office uh offering in a display of masterful timing just as everyone returns to their actual office but
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean i i get i guess i'm trying to maybe i'm struggling with this uh, Polycom, in my mind, and maybe maybe what they'll tell me is that they have a broader range of options, and that the headset business is really where the growth is, and Jabra is going to hell. But but Polycom, in my mind, is an opportunity to put multiple people at a microphone, and I'm just not really clear on the home office use case for multiple people at a microphone. Do people often do these conversations with their
0: pets? <laughs> I'm most. Meetings with more than about three people, a pet does enter sometimes, and when it's not a pet, it's a child.
1: I don't think we are encouraging that, though. Here, 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 little junior, junior, get closer to the polycom. uh. Yeah. uh my boss needs to hear you.
0: Yeah, you can share your nuggets of wisdom. I, uh, I think Plantronics was actually the bigger part of Poly pre-acquisition. Oh, so that that would explain it a bit more. And my question, though, is a different one. So. Let's assume that this is all true and valid, and I know I've spent a ton on beefing up my home conferencing setup, Right, but where was Zoom in all of this? They're not even mentioned. Surely, if there's an angle to beef up people's home desktops and things, you know, you'd expect zoom to be in there and this made me think zoom doesn't have a hardware offering at all
1: yeah this is a hardware story and zoom is a software story in fact it's a SaaS story it's not even a software story
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the closest is there's uh, tethered ipads that zoom meeting rooms have i mean i've seen a thing oh yeah it's a th- uh, I, we use them and i've seen them in other companies the you sign into the room from an ipad that's there and it knows who you are and what meeting you're in. You invite the meeting room as a resource.
1: Okay, okay. I have a rant. Can I have a rant here? Is that Let's an, go. is this an appropriate moment for rant? Okay. So we have same same with WebEx in our office, which I'm in right now. I was um,
0: going to say, yeah, delightful.
1: It's... Um, and and I walk in, so. I have multiple rants, but I'm just going to try to constrain this. So here's the thing about business. And I'm not sure that anybody seems to understand this use case. Hi, product manager for meeting room technology. We actually meet with multiple people. Sometimes we meet internally and we're all on WebEx, but sometimes we meet externally and people use other platforms like Zoom or Google Meet if God is not on our side or any number of other
0: teams of Satan and person has taken the wheel.
1: And here's the challenge is that you walk into that room and there's literally no way to operate a Teams meeting in a Webex rigged up room. Right. And 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 the thing about business is that you actually meet with people from different places and you don't always control you're not always the top dog who's like we're going to make this Webex meeting because I am top dog and I shall decide. And so the result is just, I have sat in so many rooms with dueling teams calls because I want to be in the room with my colleagues because I want to see their weird twitchy behaviors. But at the same time, we're like, are you a mute? Mute your thing. You didn't me. Blah, 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 blah. And like, it's just like a goddamn game. And it makes me unfucking hinged
0: Yes. Yes. All of that. Okay. So and also that this morning, and also, how many times have you been in the room and it's all hooked up for Zoom or Teams? You can also get to Teams room and it's hooked up with a whiteboard. Blue Jean. Yeah. It's magical when it all works. But you're in the Teams room and you're on a WebEx call, so you can't use the magical whiteboards and you're just using it as a glorified polycom.
1: <laughs> That's right. You're barely a polycom because you're probably using your freaking computer microphone on your freaking laptop. It It. It's stupid. Is there no, you know what we need? Oh, I I got it. Remember when they used to aggregate all of our instant messengers? Like remember when we had that that mega tool that handled AIM, but also IRC? Like this is what we need for meeting rooms. We need the uber meeting room app
0: that just siphons all of them in. Or the alternative is just give up because I remember (laughs) Cisco, Cisco actually had the desktop device. And if you went to I only ever saw this in cisco offices but cisco people would have two screens on their desks and one was connected to a computer and the other was purely a webex device for doing video calls you've never seen one of these i tell you so it's only cisco people i think ever had these sure um because that has the exact same problem it works beautifully as long as everyone's on webex and if you're internal at cisco you can enforce that and if you have an, an external call then that's immediately breaks but that's what I was kind of expecting. Um uh, and maybe that's what HP is going to do, because HP doesn't operate any of these services themselves. Right. So maybe that's their thing. They're going to provide the standalone device, basically the thing that's built into Apple Studio Display, Q rant of mine, with an amazing mm-hmm. webcam and good audio and microphones and all of this, but you just hook it up to your computer and it talks to Zoom and Webex and Teams and BlueJeans. And, that would be and, and, interesting.
1: And, and, and. That would be interesting. There was a long, long time ago when I was a wee wee lass, I, I worked with Clay Christensen and his innovator's dilemma theories and so forth. And one of the theories that was actually um, really difficult to grok, and I used to debate with him actually repeatedly, and I, I miss him so, may he rest in peace, The was a notion of, of integration and disintegration along a, a software stack and mm-hmm. so there's this notion that that essentially what you get is these the platform play with uh, such as such as we call it is this, is a layer of integration and the idea is that that is a horizontal layer and then many many disintegrated pieces plug into it and then it gets integrated at the platform level and when you look at the way that software stacks are typically d- designed it's they 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 alternate right it's like a cake you get cake filling cake filling cake filling that's how it plays out and so one of the ways to break a market is actually either to integrate or disintegrate at different points in this market. The problem is that creating a platform is actually incredibly hard because people got to want to play and no schmoes can just get away with that. But the question is, maybe this is an opportunity for HP Inc. to come in and say, we're actually going to create an integration layer underneath all of the, the WebExe products, the, the unified common products and use hardware as the lever for that. I think that's going to hinge a lot on the hardware market, which I know nothing about. Um, but it would be a very interesting hypothesis.
0: Or they just build it into their desktop computers and monitors and whatnot and use that as a differentiator in that market. Gee, that would be have the you most...
1: seen an HP desktop lately? I feel like I haven't in a long time.
0: Um, um, I, think, I think my bank still has HP desktop gear. Hmm.
1: I'm staring at a Lenovo right here, right now. I know that you're looking at a Mac because you have emotional problems.
0: Uh, But I have a Lenovo monitor here and I was actually pricing up possibly replacing that and HP is coming in strong. Uh, If you want a 4K, 27, 28-inch screen, HP has some very good offerings. Do
1: you know what's always fascinated me is that the TV market and the monitor market have not converged more rapidly.
0: Uh, My dad tried. He got a 4K computer monitor with a built-in tv tuner uh, Mm -hmm. for his home office Mm -hmm. and it seems to work fine for those use cases but it's the only one i've ever seen in the world yeah
1: it's just real strange because we're all really watching bridgerton on a laptop anyway aren't we
0: yeah i think that's where it breaks down because the tv monitor falls between two stools if you're me you want a massive screen uh with as many pixels as you can possibly throw at it. So a 24 inch screen for watching TV is not interesting. And if you are my sainted wife, she will literally sit on the couch in front of the massive 4K screen with the Apple TV connected to it. But instead of air playing to the big screen, she's watching her YouTube or whatever on the iPhone
1: hundred percent. I'm with her. She's right about everything, but she is right about this. I absolutely will sooner pull out my iPad and watch Netflix
0: than yeah. put it on the big TV. And that's why standalone devices fail. And that's why Zoom didn't buy Polly. There we go. Yes. We've
1: that's the only reason.
0: Come full circle.
1: We have come full circle. All right. What, what else we got? I feel like we really took down this market.
0: <laughs> well, we've said HP was right, even though their shares did apparently dip slightly, but... They're HP. They should be used to that by now.
1: (laughs) 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 HP, Inc.
0: (laughs) Too soon. Um, Well, how about this? Shadow IT, another blast from the past.
1: Ooh, I like that. This is like the history show.
0: So Lydia Leong uh, of uh, Gartner fame, the Mm. cloud pundit herself, uh, Mm. wrote... And
1: Lego aficionado.
0: Lego aficionado, concert violinist, and probably many other achievements. She just puts Mm. the rest of us to shame. But she wrote a blog post saying cloud self-service does not need to invite to the Orc apocalypse, which um, there's a little bit of shade at uh, our colleagues in IT. Mm. But uh, what she's saying is talking specifically about, you know, you build it, you run it as an approach to DevOps and the resistance that traditional ops people have to that, that developers can't be trusted to, to run it themselves. And she's saying, and this is partly publicizing a new research note that uh, she's written. Uh, so, if you have a Gartner for technical professional subscription, you can read that. I don't because I'm not made of money. Uh, so, but let us know if it's any good. But what she's saying is that the, the there is a correct balance of dev and ops that is somewhere in the middle and it's actually perfectly okay to allow developers full self-service access to dev and test environments. And that does not mean that you let them run roughshod over your prod environment, which all sounds very, very familiar from like 15 years ago when you and I were saying much the same things. But it's good to hear Lydia Leung say we were right.
1: I mean, I'm always always feeling better when I'm validated by Lydia Leung. That is a core value of mine. But But the I have questions. I just have questions because, so uh, maybe the devil's in all the details and I also am not made of money, so I do not have this report, but speculating wildly, right? The The point of dev and test actually is that they are very congruent with prod because otherwise the notion of test becomes somewhat mutilated. And so if you're going to let your developers run roughshod, the question is what does that actually mean and how does that actually manifest because if they choose to do something cattywampus in dev and test and then declare victory and put it in the build like it it must actually necessarily be aligned with prod or it's going to break at that moment and so I guess the question is I I think and maybe maybe this is me projecting on what I hope Lydia said in this note but like I, I think that that this is exactly like, um, like like feeding a toddler, right? You put a certain amount of acceptable foods on the table and you let them eat which ones that they want, right? And so exactly. you might not litigate whether they have more tomatoes or more cucumbers or more lettuce, or in my case, a lot of lettuce because that's what my child had for breakfast. But um, I don't know. He's a curious creature. But like that's fine, right? Because ice cream wasn't on the table. And yeah, I you feel don't like put so, out the M&Ms, right. Th- that's right. And so I'm wondering whether she's advocating for a world in which they have – Um, much, much more freedom within a safe space.
0: Exactly, which has always been my argument with shadow IT. If you try to ban everything, thou shalt only do it this one way, people will figure out a way around that to get their jobs done because that's what they ultimately care about a lot more than being compliant with the policy. So what you do is you give them two, three, four, however many, the right number of options that are pre-vetted, pre-validated that are the lettuce, the tomatoes, the, the bread, whatever, not the ice cream and the M&Ms and the methamphetamines. Uh, and that's how you avoid shadow IT because you make it easy to do the right thing, which is also uh, uh, the same rant that I have almost word for word around security. If you try to prevent anyone from ever doing anything wrong, you'll also be getting in their way a lot but if you make it easy for them to determine their own trade-offs and take responsibility for their own actions you'll achieve the desired outcome uh, a lot more often
1: i think that's right i think that tracks i mean you essentially want this to be a partnership around security and a partnership around operational excellence and and not um a uh, a mandate from above because people really bristle from that and then they look to find you know like water uh, they'll they'll find the cracks and they will get through and they will it will seep through but i I I don't know, the the thing with shadow IT that's real interesting to me is that I'm not real sure anymore that it's about developers, right? It's about everybody in the business having access to um, to being able to consume and procure what they need in order to do their jobs. And the challenge is that nowadays procuring what you need is less about um, office supplies and more about technology. Almost yep. everything you want to procure, even in marketing, even in like sales, right, is a, is a technology solution. Like the very, very few people, there's a tchotchke business along with the tchotchke business, but like honestly in business, the things you pay for are technology, tchotchkes, and travel. That is it. And by the way, in travel, shadow travel is like a real, real thing, right? I don't know if you can throw yourself back to like three or four years ago where everybody's like, well, the Concur system doesn't have JetBlue in it, so uh, fuck that shit, and I'm going to go ahead and buy it separately and then get it expensed anyway. And how is that not shadow travel?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And people doing weird arbitrage so they can be within their loyalty program and who cares about whether it technically saves the company 50 cents for them not to be in... The loyalty program
1: that's right or i want the points and i want the this and like and and all of that feels like it is part of our um what we believe we're entitled to as comp is loyalty program points actually that is part of our comp package and and so and and people keep trying to lock it down and i've actually been at companies that have wanted like they they bristled at some point in history that you get the points on your credit card and when you get reimbursed and they wanted to somehow capture that and like you don't get to capture that unless you give me a corporate card that you're paying for which you also don't want to do for other reasons right and and all of it is this like constant sort of tension and game um i think it's really really interesting that nobody has solved that problem in travel i don't know why they'd solve it in software
0: yeah maybe software turns out to be a slightly easier problem than travel really? um, you think so Potentially, because there are solutions like Docker uh, that let you provide that safe menu of things so that you don't have to worry about someone installing their own Linux VM where everything runs as root. You can give them the Docker image with everything pre-installed, pins to the correct version, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and that gets them uh, 99% of the way, and then they can do the last little bit themselves and you know kubernetes whatever substitute mm. your own variant of this and that's a big part of what's driving docker just uh got another hundred odd million bucks in their series c which takes them to two billion dollars in valuation with a b oh golly yeah uh so obviously someone thinks that all of those uh docker images running on developers personal laptops that they now have to theoretically pay for are really going to pad the bottom line Uh, we'll see how that works out for them
1: that was a thing
0: yep 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 i still have my personal my mac mini uh runs a docker image a couple of docker images for various utility purposes and every time i go into the docker desktop it nags me and says are you sure that this is only for personal purposes and say yes uh, and the other thing is i cannot defer software updates anymore i have to deploy updates as soon as they come uh or else i don't know what personal
1: people don't have concerns about software updates they just need to be told what to do uh,
0: apparently that's a thing that they determined people would pay for
1: do you really think i mean somewhere out there i'm i'm desperately hoping that they had some pricing consultants. I've worked with pricing consultants. Shout out to my favorite pricing consultants out there. Like that is some hard work. And a big part of me is real interested in the like hedonic analysis behind this math. There's just like real feature function trade-off surveys done around the world around this. I'm sure for a company with this exceptional valuation.
0: Before they made that move, I always saw Docker desktop as kind of a loss leader because it makes it so easy for someone to work locally. Right. Have the, the 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 guarantee that when the plane lands and they can reconnect to the internet, their all their work will just work.
1: It always felt to be like a little bit like giving educational licenses for free, that, right? You yeah. you sort of just hook people and they're like, "Well, I'm comfortable in this world and I'd rather not change."
0: But one of the reasons people might care about versions is that the NPM is in the news once again. We've spoken about NPM many times. Uh, where someone does something, uh, let's say suboptimal with their NPM package, deletes it or vandalizes it or replaces it with a political message. Uh, this is the first time I've seen where the uh, the payload is actually malicious, fully malicious. Uh, it's trying to steal personally identifiable information from Azure developers. So once again, pin your versions, keep an eye on on things as much as you possibly can. NPM dependence, dependency trees are terrifying. There's an issue that we have not yet solved. Uh, And that's where you start to get to the level of complexity of travel, I think, because there are enough different uh, possibilities that it starts to add up. Because if you go into your trip actions or whatever, it's kind of like a Docker console because it's pulling from all of these different places and each one has different conditions and you can filter and slice and dice.
1: I think we all really, really like the idea of a walled garden, as long as we're the ones building the walls.
0: Mm, yeah. I want a walled garden that lets me do everything I want to do.
1: That's right. And and keep out the bad guys against me, but, you know, let me define those parameters because I want ultimate freedom as well in this walled garden, right?
0: Yeah. yeah What's a, a walled
1: garden without a jungle gym?
0: And the pony that farts rainbows.
1: I would like that too. Yes, that would be great. It would really add to the decor. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, it would not.
1: You know what? I, I think I think the world can dream. I, my feeling, I, maybe this is just a, a sense here in a post-pandemic agita, but I feel as though this kind of game is one of like everybody saying, you know what? If we just pin this one piece, we can solve for the rest of the equation around it. And everybody's putting a pin in a different piece, trying to solve for the rest of the equation. I'm going to tell you, spoiler: none of the pieces get pinned. And the equation is never going to get solved.
0: Yeah, Sorry. because meanwhile, in the next building over, someone is developing something completely new that obviates the needs for any pins.
1: Right. And then also, by the way, you're going to need like a whole set of duct tape for their world because that stuff is going to require a different situation, right? Double, like it's
0: double-sided duct tape.
1: Double-sided duct tape, which honestly might be a boon to the fashion industry. Sometimes I feel like they could use it.
0: I'm See, going this to
1: leave that there. Right, right there. See, this is what you get by inviting a woman to your podcast, Dominic. You're going to get the occasional.
0: But I, th- I thought that's already existed. Nipple tape. Are we allowed to say the nipple tape? I
1: think we can say nipple tape. It does exist. It's just the idea of duct tape quality nipple tape feels like it would open up a lot of opportunities.
0: Right, right. No more wardrobe malfunctions. Fair that's enough.
1: That's right. That's but right.
0: Painful to get after.
1: Okay, I think we're moving swiftly onwards.
0: <laughs> um, so these days, we're all far too senior in the sense of old, uh, to actually mess around with infrastructure ourselves. What we do all day is docs, office, calendaring, uh, writing into into text documents. And so new Google features are actually way more exciting than NPM and Docker. So we've got two of them this week, which is amazing. There's a new Google calendar, which basically has destroyed the market for Calendly and, uh, what was that other thing? The, the survey thing, the doodle, uh, and it basically lets you, instead of saying, Hey, I'm free on Tuesday at 10 AM and you say, no, I can't do Tuesday at 10 AM. How about Wednesday at seven and you say, no, et cetera, et cetera, repeat ad nauseum. Uh, this lets you just put up a thing where everyone can enter their own availability based on their Google calendar and it'll sort it all out on the back end which just sounds amazing. I can't wait for this to roll out. I look forward to playing with it.
1: I think it's just another example of, you know, this is a question that's so hard to ask small companies or companies that are sort of younger or even companies that are adjacent and limpets on the broader mega IT shops but like the question that is always on your lips when you're talking to a company like that like wandering around a trade show is what is exactly preventing Cisco Microsoft Google IBM from building that little thing that you have solved yes you identified a use case Mazel Tov. you built a solution hallelujah but like seriously it's like 6 months and a competitive offer that's already embedded in the platform is available right and And I think this is just such an example. And I guess a lot of organizations are betting on the fact that they have enough runway to get acquired instead of replaced. And that's fine. That's great. I don't think anybody was like Calendly is going to IPO. Like, I don't think there was any expectation of that, but, but truly some things are so um, basic in this way that you have to wonder what actually is, what actually is preventing the mega company from just doing it like on Thursday and just being done.
0: So, I mean, this is not a new problem. In the Apple world, we call it being Sherlocked uh, because way back, not that far back, but uh, many, many years back, uh, there was a utility called Sherlock that would index your Mac and let you search it locally. And this is, of course, now something that's built in to the Mac OS since I forget which exact version, but it's, it's been some while. And it has now become a thing. And every WWDC there's expectation that at least one company is going to get Sherlocked. Uh, A little utility thing is going to be built into the OS and that's just how it goes. But I think that's built in. It's not something unexpected. It's not even something malicious. The Sherlock guys uh, were very open about this being something that they fully expected to happen. So your exit routes are, as you say, you build something good enough that it's easier for Apple, Google, whoever, to just buy your thing instead of trying to build it in-house. And that's one route. You build a stable of many of these utilities so that only one of them gets bought, but meanwhile you're building the next one so you always have uh, multiple things going at any one time. You use it as advertising so that you yourself can get yourself hired to do something cool because you built something that was good enough that it ended up being Sherlocked. Mm -hmm. It's now part of the the ecosystem. It's understood that this is a thing that can happen. And the final piece is you build something that's... um, amazing enough and that this is only one feature of and that the the generalist companies don't have an interest in building so there's um fantastical on the mac has had this feature for a while but it's just one feature of fantastical it happened to be the one feature that was making me consider paying for fantastical so now i won't but fantastical does a a whole lot more than that and it would be uh, i don 't think this is going to make a material difference beyond my one uh, potential license to fantastical 's addressable market
1: <laughs>
0: so that, that you
1: are an influencer Dominic
0: yeah, well we'll see about that sorry <laughs> fantastical <laughs> but it's um it's something that i'm glad to have because it also gets rid of the the power gradient who's going to be the person who offers availability and who 's going to be the person who takes availability, which is always a weird dance and I, this just makes it so much easier to to deal with. So,
1: yeah, I I actually have to say that that was a real transition for me when I um got admin support recently in my life. Mm. Shout out, love you. Um and like just the ability to be like uh, somebody else make the magic happen is like probably the the most delightful thing that has happened in a very very long time for me. It's just so great to just be like this is you know what Somebody else make the magic happen.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And another thing that happened in Google Docs this week is you can now compose with Markdown directly in Google Docs, which, yeah. yeah, Wow. Apparently, it's not rolled out universally yet. It's rolling out slowly to different organizations. I haven't actually checked recently whether I have access to it yet. Uh, But if, if you don't have access to it yet, apparently it's coming. And this will make life a whole lot easier, especially for going back and forth between Google Docs yes. and Markdown, which is a thing that especially engineering orgs end up doing a lot. Markdown has become a standard, and it's good that Google has recognized that.
1: Um, I, I yeah, I think that's right. I it's interesting to me. One of the things that I like to reflect on is I remember when I got my first Gmail account, and it was like 2003. And remember, they were like really mean When you about, had invitations, you had yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, um, and I really feel as though like now it, it was beta and everything has been sort of perpetually beta mm, Google yeah, yeah. forever and ever. And watching them sort of increment the Google docs, Google sheets suite forward is such a fascinating product release process that has spanned decades. It's this longitudinal study of,
0: well, it didn't move for ages. And recently they started moving again. They introduced, uh, endless scrolling. So it doesn't have pages. Which is always, why does this thing have pages? Nobody is ever going to print this document out right. ever.
1: Right. <laughs> right, 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 right. But it, but it feels like a sort of slow crawl through mediocrity that we've all been absolutely here for. It's a real strange, strange market. Probably worth yeah. a longer discussion.
0: Mm, could be. But we're at time for the week. So I'm going to close with a couple of recommendations. Uh, one, my Mac Mini, which runs Docker and other utility things, had been very, very sick for a while. It would just shut oh, down. Does it have it COVID? Uh, amazingly, no. What it has mm. is a bad case of uh, problem exists between chair and keyboard. Um, I upgraded the thing, maxed out its RAM and put an SSD in there besides the the mechanical hard disk. And that was fine for a while, and then it started failing unpredictably. Turns out Apple's uh, fan controller doesn't take the SSD into account, so it was just getting stupidly hot and shutting down. So Max fan control is a little app that does exactly what it says on the tin and lets you pin the fan speeds to one particular sensor, namely the SSD temperature. And it has been rock solid since I installed that, so I highly, highly recommend this piece of software. Link is in the show notes.
1: Wow, that was esoteric. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you'd be surprised at what ends up being useful um, <laughs> and the other thing is MongoDB World is still happening 7th to 9th of June in New York City with my discount code Dominic Wellington 25 you can get guess what 25% off the ticket price uh, mm. by now because as is always the case they get the tickets get more and more expensive the closer you get to the release date so if you're planning to come to New York City in June you should uh, get on top of that right away and the link is in the show notes. Do you have any recommendations this week?
1: I, I don't actually. I'm I'm sorry.
0: Oh, we could recommend Clay Christensen's uh, book, What was it? "How to Organize Your Life." That you recommended. Oh to me. yes,
1: I love that book because you put it in the show notes. Yeah, um, I forget the actual name, but uh, "How to Measure your Life." Um, how, <laughs> how to, to measure your it's truly one of the best things I have ever reread multiple times.
0: Yeah, it was a a, a very very different book. If you're expecting a business book, it is not that. Uh, It is interesting and meaningful. I agree. I second this recommendation. How shouldn't we all? And with that, uh, we will be back next week uh, with any luck with a little bit more of our co-hosts. And we promise to try and get to that enterprise sales and pricing discussion when we have them accessible. In the meantime, you can follow the show on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with a number 4 or on our LinkedIn page. Theme music is by my good friend, Renato Podesta. And please do send us suggestions, topics, and or guests for future episodes. Talk to you soon.
1: Bye.